This is Ursula Hogan welcoming you to News Extra on Scariff Bay Community Radio where we feature interviews which go into detail on some of the events in the news this week. Artist John Lillis has been working locally with a number of primary schools facilitating the composition of songs by the children. Luke Fleming chatted with John for News Extra about his work. I'm joined now by John Lillis, a man that a lot of young boys and girls in local national schools in East Clare will have become very familiar with in recent weeks. And uh, John, it's a pleasure to talk to you here on uh, SBCR. Thanks a million for having me, Luke. It's lovely to be here with you this morning. The the students of Mount Shannon and the students of Bodike in East Clare have composed a few songs in recent time and we'll say at the end of this we're going to play the the two songs that they did. And you're the man that has been involved in sort of bringing this all together. So will you tell us a little bit about Gleoc and what the project is about? I will indeed. So I've been uh, very lucky over the last um, number of weeks to be working with the students of Mount Shannon School, uh, Primary School, and also the students of Bodite National School. So the work that I do generally involves visiting different schools around the county as part of an artist uh, residency. And those two particular projects were funded by um, the BLAST project, which is part of uh, an initiative that the Clare Education Centre has developed. So depending on on who's my funder or who's supporting the project, I could be in different schools across the county. And really, I suppose what we're trying to do is we're trying to get young people to engage with their imagination and their own locality and maybe see their own locality in a slightly different way than they might have. You know, because when you look at your... When you look at the place that you're from every day, you don't see the things that um, a visitor to the town might see, the unique aspects of the town. So what we try and do is we explore this in a number of different ways. Sometimes it can end up being um, folklore-centred. Another time it's, you know, really, I suppose, just about working with the young children to compose a piece of music that would allow them to reflect on their local area. So the project, John, is basically, I think it runs generally over a four to six week period in sessions that last two hours. And generally you come out and the the lyrics of each of the songs about Mount Shannon and Bodike, they're very particular to their areas. So I'd love to know, how do you put that song together? How exactly is it done? Well, I suppose the first thing to say is it's, it's child-led, really. I'm there as a facilitator, and I have a, a you know quite a background, I suppose, in music and recording and songwriting. So I'm used to um, I'm used to, 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 to making pieces of art in uh, different environments. And really, what I'm doing is I'm I'm going to the, the locality and meeting the young people and trying to you know understand like how they relate to their environment. Um, but it's really a collaborative process. So we do a lot of brainstorming. And I kind of see myself as a stranger that's walked into this community and all the young people understand how the community works. So what they're doing is they're helping me to understand how their community operates, what is the ambience and the atmosphere of that locality, what kind of things might have happened there historically in the town. Um, and also we, we try and delve into a little bit of folklore as well. We use the um, the Ducas uh, children's collections from I think it was like nineteen the late nineteen thirties they were originally collected, um, 
But what we do is we, we take like folkloric stories and we try and interweave these into the song lyrics as well. And it's just to end up with a piece of music that's very unique to that locality. And it's funny, you know, sometimes it can be hard to remember facts and figures about your own county or your own, your own town. A lot of the time you might know it about different places, but when it's your own town, you kind of become ignorant to it because you're around it all the time. And one of the things that I found from this process is I found it quite interesting because I, I would forget, you know, the dates that certain things happened historically. But when you write it in a song, though it, it's kind of encoded in the lyrics. Well, that's when that event happened in this town and here's who it happened too. So it's really trying to take, I suppose, a historic look at... Um, a historic approach to songwriting. Yeah, it, it's it's captured forever. The two songs that you, John, will say in relation to Bud Ike, there's obviously historical effects over there. And then the song about Mount Shannon is a little bit more based on the area itself. Now, there's a bit of a reference to Holy Island and stuff, but we'll say the historical side of things, I think, is more reference, you know, with song dates, as you've said, we'll say, in, in, in the Bud Ike song there as well. So just tell me the process that, that you, you go through. You, you come out to the school, you talk to the boys and girls that you're dealing with. They give you all this inspiration for the song do you then try and put that into a structure and come back what participation do the kids have and it's a pretty hands-on approach to be quite honest so and what, <clears throat> i suppose one thing that we haven't said here is we've we've mentioned these songs but we haven't mentioned the nature of these songs so essentially they're rap songs that are composed and uh, performed by you know nine ten eleven year olds but i suppose the thing that becomes quite interesting about it is when you take something like the Bo Dyke evictions of 1887 that's not a topic that stereotypically would be discussed in a rap song but when you're visiting young people in Bo Dyke it's, it's one of the things that's to the forefront so we try and explore things in um, I suppose you might be looking at historic things but explore through kind of contemporary music memes so my background would be in music production and I would use a lot of electronic equipment, keyboards, samplers, and I suppose just kind of digital equipment like that. And when I visit the school, all the music is made by the young people. They're guided by me through the process, but every sound that you're hearing is a sound that in some way it's the kids that are hitting those buttons to produce those sounds composed together. It's really good and interesting to see because, as you said, a Ike rap song about the evictions isn't one that I think most people would have sort of thought they would ever hear. But to say that it's the kids actually physically put it together makes it all the better. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I feel that that's central to it. We could come in with, um, you know, a prepared instrumental or a backing track, but for me it's actually really important that the kids are seeing the process from you start with one sound, you introduce a second sound, you introduce a third sound. So they actually get quite a lot in terms of, I suppose, um, rhythm and composition from the process as well. Okay, that's great. John, the two songs that you you did for for East Clare in the Bodike song you have a little bit of harp music and in the Mount Shannon song you have a sort of atmospherics with water which I presume are from the lake will you just tell us a little bit about the process that you use for that yeah well I suppose the harp is it isn't a traditional harp that is um, a sampled harp that we were using 
and that's all the, the notes they're, they're they're played by the young people so we were just i suppose experimenting with kind of a melody that we could put in the song uh the other sounds particularly in mount shannon uh, and it's great really you know mount shannon are a very forward thinking school they work with um a creative arts associate out there called slavic quez and I suppose he has a very free approach towards young people and creativity in the arts. Um, so the school has invested in a number of uh, recording devices, portable recording devices. And I thought what was great there was we both shared recordings that we had taken in the local area. So whether it was recordings of the water and a lot of the young people there, they took the, the portable recorders and went out and gathered the sound effects that ended up becoming part of the song. So I think it's quite important when you're trying to make a song about a local area that there's some bit of natural ambience that's kind of put into the track in some kind of way, whether it's the sound of the birds, the sound of the water, the sound of the wind going through trees, but we always try and incorporate that into the uh, the production side in some way. Yeah, well, listen, uh, two great songs, we'll say, from East Clare. We'll be playing them on our, our uh, station quite, quite a lot. And uh, even better, every little bit of audio that you can hear in the songs comes from the boys and girls of the national schools in, in Budike and, and Mount Shannon because I, I thought there might have been a little bit of adult guidance along the way but it's, it's absolutely fabulous to hear the creative skills as you have outlined This week we celebrated our national day President Michael D Higgins delivered his customary St Patrick's Day message on Thursday and we can listen to that now May I send my warmest greetings and good wishes to our Irish family and friends of Ireland across the world on this day of celebration of our national patron, St. Patrick. Whether we are Irish by birth or Irish by choice, we are all part of a rich and vibrant global community that is bound together by a shared love of life, a shared love of our national heritage, language and culture. Today, as we gather to celebrate, that spiritual culture and legacy that speaks so deeply to us of a common but complex past, we can draw a shared strength from recalling the inspirational teachings from the life of St. Patrick, our national patron saint. In these times of multiple interacting crises, human and natural, it is vital that we recognise the need for a solidarity that binds us together as humans and acknowledge the responsibility we share for our vulnerable planet and for all those who dwell on it. For example, the plight of the people in Turkey and Syria will be in our thoughts as they work to rebuild in the wake of last month's devastating earthquakes. Such horrific events remind us all of our utter vulnerability and of the shared humanitarian response required. We live in a time of increasing conflicts and a departure from the principles of international and humanitarian law, so carefully crafted over decades as alternatives to war. Over a year on from the invasion of the people of Ukraine and all those ensnared in the more than 20 armed conflicts around the world must remain foremost in our minds. It is heartening to see the welcome that so many households and schools have extended here in Ireland and elsewhere. Heartening to hear of all those who continue to provide sanctuary to the tens of thousands of displaced Ukrainian citizens who have fled conflict in their homeland. 
Schools in every part of the country have opened their arms to new pupils and shown a deep commitment of respect and solidarity. Thank you. As we honour our patron Saint Nave Podrick, how appropriate it is that we recall the foundational story upon which our national day is based. That story of the slavery of his time as a young man. St. Patrick emerged from slavery, having been trafficked across the Irish Sea as a young man. After six years, he escaped, returning to his family and his studies in Britain. Yet, in a remarkable display of resilience and generosity, he would later return to Ireland as a missionary. There are many powerful echoes from Patrick's life that resonate with our contemporary circumstances, ones that have brought new forms of slavery into being where racism is increasing rather than decreasing, in so many parts of the world, where a poisonous xenophobia, new and recalled, has taken hold in so many places. It is in these spaces where fear is being sold. The story of Patrick's transformation that would lead to his becoming an emblem of the country he adopted as his own stands in counterpoint and is so important. In his protest against the war crimes of King Koroticus and his men, Patrick, the former slave, gave both voice and his life to spearheading an awareness of the consequences of slavery. The story of his life as a migrant, we must never forget, is a reminder of the resilience and necessary courage of migrants, a reminder, too, of the contributions that they have made and continue to make to the countries they call home. The act of migration constitutes a story defined by an extraordinary will and an unyielding human desire to envision and create a better world, even in the face of sometimes considerable adversity. Today, as we recall the life of our patron saint, we can invoke his spirit in acknowledging our role as global citizens, opening our minds and hearts to our universal human family in all its complexity, circumstances and vulnerability. It is by showing empathy, compassion and solidarity, such as by helping those fleeing distress, by offering our hearts and doors to those in need and giving people an opportunity to build a better life for themselves and their families, that we demonstrate our commitment to bringing into being values which have the power to transcend borders. Basic human morality suggests that we must think in terms of the common good if we are to invoke or follow the path of St. Patrick, recognising that we bear a duty to stand in solidarity with all those across the globe who are vulnerable and in need, and to do everything in our power to create an inclusive, just world, where all humans, in all their diversity and circumstances, are treated with dignity, respect and justice. While St. Patrick's story encourages us to reflect on the significance of migration running through our history as a constant feature of the Irish experience, we are required to respond to the ongoing brutal reality of human trafficking and forced migration as a constant feature of human experience. It is by doing that that we can most fully embrace Patrick's legacy and our own place and exercise our responsibilities in today's world. There are so many areas where we cannot continue to fail on such basic issues as global hunger and poverty. For example, in the Horn of Africa, the harsh reality of hunger steals the future, the potential, the dignity of millions of our brothers and sisters threatened with famine. 
how shameful it is too that 64 countries in the developing world were forced while struggling with the COVID pandemic to spend more on debt repayments than on funding public health. During my recent visit to Senegal, at which I addressed the Africa Food Summit, I emphasised that there is an urgent need to tackle not only poverty and hunger in Africa, but to offer proper security on the basic necessities of life, delivering universal basic services such as education and health care, thus helping to create a lasting, sustainable future built on security in its most inclusive sense. We have a moral and ethical responsibility to support our global family in dire need, to help with sustainable solutions, to ending all famines, to provide a decisive response to climate change. St. Patrick's message was, at its core, one of respect for nature, for its spirituality reflected in its seasonal renewal. Our planet is scarred by the consequences of human actions, actions often sourced in greed. Actions that have had a direct bearing on our changing climate, constituting, as it does now, one of the greatest challenges of our time, reflected in extreme weather events, widespread displacement and forced migration across our world, and the loss of fertile land. It is such a tragic injustice that those nations suffering the greatest human and economic impact of climate change are those who were least responsible for the emissions that threaten their very existence. The demand for collective action addressing our shared Earth's climate emergency has never been greater. We all must now take responsibility for our role in the climate crisis and play our part in decarbonising our economy and society so that we may inhabit a sustainable world one that preserves the planet for future generations and all those who inhabit it. On this day, let us pledge to work together, cooperating, so that we may confront the contemporary challenges facing our world, espousing some of the most essential values, such as kindness and compassion, embodied as they are in the story of St. Patrick. Rather than list the points of darkness that challenge us in our contemporary circumstances. Let us instead be guided by the points of light. Let us envision how our lives could be without war, famine, hunger and greed, in a world that eschews the poisonous ideals of imperialism and embraces the decent instincts of humanity that such as St. Patrick embodied. As we commemorate St. Patrick's legacy, guide and patron, whose life embodied the values of a shared, generous sense of humanity, let us do so by mustering the courage to recover the best instincts of our humanity, have the mettle to face those who resist such instincts, reaffirm and strengthen our commitment to advocating the principles that informed Patrick's life, calling us, as they do, to embrace our role as global citizens, extending a hand of support to all those in need with whom we share this planet, respond with hospitality and kindness to those fleeing the ravages of hunger, conflict and climate change, thus bringing into reality our taking responsibility to work with fellow citizens for a more just and inclusive world. I wish you all a most enjoyable and peaceful St. Patrick's Day, Banaktina Felia Fatrick Oriv Iliog. 
You have been listening to News Extra on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Join us again next weekend and we will keep you updated on local events. This is Ursula Hogan for Scarif Bay Community Radio. Mm-hmm.